Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is Jonathan Bowen joining you. Well, there isn't a day goes by where we don't see Israel figure into the headlines of the news. A nation that has been gathered out of all nations and has been brought back to the land of Israel. We read in Jeremiah chapter 3 where the prophet says, or God says through the prophet, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Well, this passage is a scripture that has been quoted many times. It was cited by John Thomas years ago as evidence of a partial and primary restoration of the Jews back to the land of Israel that he wrote about in the book Elpis Israel in the year 1848, many, many years, over a hundred years before the state of Israel was proclaimed. Prophecies like this have caused Bible students to look to the land and to the events that have taken place in the last few years and to see the hand of God at work there. Another passage we think of is Ezekiel chapter 38. In Ezekiel 38, it describes the great conflagration of the latter days when Gog's armies will come down into the land of Israel. That land, of course, is re-inhabited by what God calls my people Israel. And we read in Ezekiel chapter 38 of the coming down of Gog when the prophet says, After many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste and is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely all of them. It is then to the West Bank that our minds and hearts go this week as we consider the mountains of Israel. And one of the settlements called Itamar, which is located near to Shechem, situated between mountains of Ebal and Gerizim, and figuring heavily into the story of the Bible. Joining us this week, we have Jonathan Boothy, who is from the land of Israel and resides in the West Bank, and he is going to talk to us about Itamar. Shalom, shalom, Jonathan. Good to hear your voice. We are inviting you to uh, join us on the Bible in the News this week. Um, We had discussed a few weeks ago about the involvement you have with the settlement of Itamar. But before we begin, perhaps you could give us just a little bit of background on yourself and uh, tell us a little bit of where you're from and how is it that you've ended up in the land of Israel? Um, First of all, thanks very much for uh, inviting me to uh, speak on the show. It's uh, We've known each other for a long time, and it's uh, wonderful to uh, to cooperate together in this fashion. And my wife and I uh, came in when we were a young couple uh, in '75, the end of '75, a week after we were married. Uh, we were both involved as youngsters in in youth uh, movements, uh, Jewish youth movements in, in England. Uh, in London, uh, for the most part, uh, which were Zionist uh, youth movements, modern Orthodox by description. And it was uh, a matter of course that we would, uh, when we got married, we would, uh, uh, or we concluded uh, that that we would come once married uh, to come and live here. Uh, It was a natural course. We were both uh, brought up uh, like-minded, uh, my wife perhaps wasn't a tad, uh, since she lived in London and and I um, uh, in the in the south coast, um, and uh, so we came in '75, 
and uh, we went to a kibbutz, uh, which had an open, which is um, a program for studying Hebrew for six or seven months, and we volunteered for a few months, and uh, came in, uh, came to Jerusalem, and uh, rented an apartment, and my wife went to work for the Israel Museum, and uh, I went into uh, uh, adult education. We had friends at the time also that uh, had similar aspirations. Uh, many of them also fulfilled them. And uh, that's, uh, by and large, uh, how it happened. Uh, it, it was a natural conclusion uh, that uh, this is the way it would pan out. Very good. So would you say, Jonathan, that it was the... Um politics of Israel that drew you there, or what would have been the, the impetus for you to go to that land? The 1967 war uh, was, for me, as it was for so many others, a turning point. 1967, the Six-Day War, as it was later to be known, uh, was the uh, catalyst, was the was predicated uh, very much uh, upon that. And so a mere uh, a mere seven years later, uh, that in the end uh, came to fruition, as it did for so many tens and thousands of others. And you ended up in a kibbutz in the land of Israel, and uh, your involvement today with the settlements no doubt has its roots in that. What can you tell us about Itamar? Itamar is a community that approached us here at Arut Sheva uh, a couple of years ago as so many do, uh, not, not, a, not a day goes by or not a month goes by when um, one of the other communities or institutions in Judea and Samaria, particularly Samaria, uh, don't come in here and approach us to uh, help them with uh, a whole host of, uh, of uh, for the most part, very important projects. Um, when they came in, the two youngsters from Itamar, the two young fellows who were running the two educational institutions there, I was very impressed by their sincerity, by their uh, by their ideological bent, by their uh, idealistic attitude. And they were very gung-ho and they were very anxious and enthusiastic. And uh, they explained to me uh, a little bit about the community, what it had been through. I knew some, uh, but they certainly filled in the gaps. And uh, it's exactly where we need to be. It's next to Shem, uh, which has its deep roots in uh, in Jewish history. It's uh, even uh, one well-known fellow, Mark Twain, uh, visited not too far and uh, was amazed at the time with what he saw. So it was uh, it was pretty much a shoo-in that I would also be uh, quite amazed when subsequently, uh, a week later, I went up and took a look at the families and met some of the families, saw the institutions, saw the progress in a community that really, although it had been established in 87, hadn't really progressed that much for the last decade. And these two fellows, the impression I got from these two fellows was that uh, they had the ability to propel the community forward in terms of 
the education institutions, which are so much a magnet for the young idealistic ones that want to move into these uh, communities in Samaria, uh, they had started to uh, build afresh to bring in prefabricated housing, to bring in trailers, to bring in mobile homes. And it looked as though the components were there. And the components one always needs because it's far easier to propel communities forward if you have educational institutions, if you have uh, schools. They're a magnet for families that want to move in, and they're very much an anchor for the youngsters once they've moved in. And so it looked to us to be something that we could impact with. It was difficult to take on because we take on quite a lot as a as most people know, but by intuition, um, it seemed to be the right thing to do, and subsequently, of course, it's turned out that way. So when you talk about uh, Shechem, in our anglicized sort of uh, side of the world, you'd be talking about Shechem, um, which is in Samaria. Give us a little bit of background about um, that area, why it was chosen as an area for a settlement. Shem is where Abraham first entered the land, was his first stop. Shem was his first stop. And uh, as uh, uh, history will tell us, and the Bible will tell us, God appeared to him and promised to you, descendants, I will give this land. Then uh, a couple of generations later, uh, Jacob came to Shechem and purchased land. Uh, Jacob's daughter, Dina, as everybody knows, everybody knows their Bible, was abducted and uh, violated. And her brothers, uh, uh, Shimon and Levi, came to uh, to rescue her. Uh, Jacob sent his son, uh, Joseph, uh, to check, quote-unquote, on his brothers. And then, of course, subsequently, latterly, they sold him into uh, slavery. The Mount of Blessings and the Mount of Curses, Ha'agrizim and Ha'eval, overlooking Joseph was buried. Joseph's tomb stayed. Mark Twain visited in 1867, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't, uh, haven't looked up the history recently. Uh, he met some 100 or 200 uh, Jewish families uh, part of the part of the community there, and um, he, he alluded to the fact that a handful of uh, these families can name their families straight back uh, two thousand years without a flaw uh, in their in their memory. Uh, a a well known uh, archaeologist, the late Tzvilan. Uh, described uh, Joseph's tomb as uh, he alluded to the fact that to, to the uh, utmost degree it's certainly uh, uh, an authentic tomb uh, based upon uh, uh, research um, it's it certainly that's certainly where uh, almost without a doubt where Joseph was buried and so Shem known as Nablus uh, has holds a major part in Jewish history, and then uh, in 26, I believe it was 27, the Jews were forced to leave, 
uh, in the face of uh, a pogrom. Uh, in 1967, that area was recaptured, uh, but Jews were not permitted to live there. Uh, however, there are other Jews who refused to accept this uh, situation and decided that they would form communities around Shechem. One of them was Itar, uh, Elon Moret, and uh, Itamar, which happens to be the largest landmass in any community in that area. And so Itamar is Shechem. It's connected to Shechem. It's connected to, uh, to Joseph and to Joseph's tomb. And the uh, historical roots go very deep, and they are very strong. And why was it named Itamar? Itamar was the youngest son, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I'm not mistaken, of Aaron, who uh, uh, took on uh, the priestly uh, uh, duties. Uh, the name Itamar, I don't actually thought about it, but Itamar means, if you translate it literally, an island of dates. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong, Jonathan, as far as I know, there are no dates, <laughs> or no date trees on Itamar. But, of course, uh, Itamar being the, uh, uh, being the uh, youngest son of Aaron, uh, uh, that is, uh, is named for him. And Itamar would appear to be sort of the, uh, the head community, I guess you could say, of several little communities that run along the mountain lines there. Would that be correct? I would say, oh, for certain, for sure, it's the largest landmass. If one would bring in another thirty thousand families there, uh, it wouldn't begin to fill. Oh, it would begin to fill up, but it would still uh, so much for so many more. Uh, there are a group of five or six uh, different communities in that neighbourhood, or two in that neighbourhood. And there are another four or five in a radius of, uh, let's say, 12 or 15 miles. When I say it's important, what I mean in terms of importance is we have to be there. As if we are claiming this land to be ours and we have no presence there, then we are uh, perhaps playing uh, something called armchair Zionism. As you, you, you claim that it belongs to you, but you don't really live there, and so and so you have no presence, and so you can't really substantiate uh, your claim. Uh, hence, the two communities in the area, the Itamar and Elon More, uh, to me are, are key communities uh, that will enable us to build upon them and to grow, to make those two communities into cities, with thousands and thousands of residents. It's not a pipe dream. It's been done before. It's been done here in Betel, where we are here in Arucheva, in Eli, in Shiloh. Uh, these are things that have uh, uh, taken place over the last two decades, and I see absolutely no reason why Itamar uh, can't uh, go that route. And in fact, it is going that route now. So you described the, uh, the two young men that came to visit you as idealistic. In what sense would you say they are idealistic? They are mission-driven. They understand that Itamar is not, uh, is not on Fifth Avenue. It's in the middle of... It's far from anywhere. 
uh, it's not the first place you would think of moving to tomorrow morning because of the distance, because of the rather unpleasant, there's an unpleasant part to the journey uh uh, getting there by car without getting into uh, the finer details. It's not. Uh, there are a couple of uh, couple of kilometres that are uh, a tad unsettling, uh, certainly for a first time visitor. Uh, these two young fellows uh, spend their week, six days a week. Uh, bringing people to the two institutions, interviewing youngsters for the new institutions, bringing new families into the community. They are dedicated, they're bright, uh, they're quick, uh, educated, both sexually and religiously, modern orthodox young young men in their early 30s, uh, believe in the righteousness of the cause and believe in the core issue, and that is we have to, if we are claiming this land we have to live here. And when I say claiming this land, uh, 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 there has always been, since the destruction of the temple, there has always been a presence of Jews around that area in Shem. They are just taking what there was and they are multiplying it time and time again. So when you think of these settlements and you think of the kind of people that lived there, you use the word um, uh, idealistic, would we be talking about a religious Zionism then? something that's Correct, not... exactly that, Jonathan. Uh, to use an American axiom, uh, modern Orthodox, modern Zionist Orthodox young, young men. And the families on Itamar are uh, uh, by and large are similar. They are modern Orthodox families. Uh, it's not unusual for a family there to have six or seven children, eight children. So when you're looking then at this community, it's it's really a community of Bible believers who are living in the land of promise and who are settling here really in fulfillment to some of the prophecies that we read of in the uh, in the book of Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel of people going back to the land that has been desolate for many years and now living there and establishing communities there. What are your hopes for these settlements in the long term? Uh, using the word settlements uh, is something that we try... By the way, using the word settlements is something that we try and get away from. I don't know why the word settlements uh, ever came into Probably fashion. a media word. Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. We prefer to call them towns. Um, the way I see it is that uh, in the same way as it's happened in so many of the other communities in Judea and Samaria, uh, the community will continue to grow. The, year, and the new families that come to these communities are one of two types by and large. They are either students who have studied in the um, in the Torah Center on Itamar or in the high school, that are spent four or five years there, they go into the army. Many of these youngsters get married very young in the twenty nineteen twenty one, and they follow the natural path. In many cases, not in every case, but in many cases, they decide to make their home on the community that they studied. 
and uh, and participated in uh, in short-term army service. That's one avenue of um, enlarging the community. And so our listeners understand all of the Israeli citizens are conscripted for a period of up to two years into the uh, IDF, and these, of course, are being trained in Torah studies before they go. Uh, the other is the young couples that get married. They may have been Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, but they've been brought up in idealistically driven families. They've been to modern Orthodox schools where uh, uh, this kind of belief is imparted that we have to we have to settle the land, and they look at a place like Itamar and others like that, but particularly Itamar up in up in the Samarian region that has uh, the facilities, that has the bus services, that has high school, that has a, a Torah center, uh, that has learned people, that have uh, some kind of um, employment possibilities. They have a wonderful organic farm. Uh, for example, they're a wonderful, wonderful, thriving organic farm. Um, and they see uh, people of the same cloth as them, and they feel that they will be at home there. And they consider seriously moving in order to, to fulfill the dream. They could just as easily um, you know, rent an apartment uh, uh, somewhere on the coast. It might cost them a little bit more, or up in the north, uh, but they choose to fulfill the biblical dream of reclaiming the land in Judea and Samaria. What is the uh, the hope that you have um, in our conversation the other day in the fulfillment of these things and the restoring of people to the land and to the, the biblical heartland, the mountains of Israel? Um, what, is, what is it that you are, are looking to achieve? Um, what we're looking to achieve is to increase the population. Uh, in order to increase the population, you need somewhere to live. Uh, you need, uh, they need a roof. A roof can be in the form of a mobile home. A roof can be in the form of a prefabricated house. Um, you, know the, you know what prefabricated houses are, right, Jonathan? You bring them in on the back of trailers and you assemble them like Lego. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cheap, cheap, efficient, fast, and it does the job. This costs money. You can't do it with buttons. And to my mind, uh, that is paramount. Paramount to, to build, paramount to provide basic housing for the young couples that are moving, paramount to strengthen the two institutions there, as I mentioned earlier, the components exist. It's a question of bringing, providing homes as basic uh, as you wish, uh, in order that the uh, the youngsters that want to move in have at least uh, the ability to put themselves down for a, a year or two years. Then perhaps, if they can find an uncle or a, a parent to throw in a few bucks for a deposit uh, to buy one of the um, uh, fairly simple houses there, then off you go. By that time, one of them would have been qualified, or perhaps two of them. They go and get a job, they pay the mortgage, and it's these youngsters in the community. They bring their friends, they bring their brothers, cousins, they bring their circle. They are the ones that in under half a decade, they are the ones that are going to be doing the work. What we're doing right now is taking them to the level 
that they can move themselves forward uh, by themselves. I think we are probably, uh, uh, I would say, two years uh, away from that. I see the community taking shape. It's expanding in the right direction. Uh, the uh, planning seems to be intelligent. Uh, the institutions are growing. And we've provided them with the money that they, or at least uh, uh, quite a significant part of the money that they've required, having told us what they want to do with the money, how they want to spend it, what they want to put into bringing new families into caravans, into mobile homes, into new classrooms, into new equipment, everything the community needs in order to provide the infrastructure to make it at least uh, fairly comfortable for new youngsters moving in. It seemed to have planned out very well. Uh, that's the impression I got when I first met them. Um, it's been vindicated uh, time at the end subsequently, and they seem to use the money wisely. Uh, seem to use the money in a way that succeeds in fulfilling all of the targets that they set themselves. And I have no reason to uh, assume or even doubt that it will continue this way from here on in. And so, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's not easy for us to decide uh, you know, which communities to help, if any, uh, and which not to. It's, uh, there's only six days in, in the week and there's 12, 14 hours in the day. There's a limit to how much you can do, and so we have to try and we have to try and focus and crystallise uh, the issues and land on things that we feel are going to make an impact. Itamar, to our mind or to my mind, as the one that's meant to be running this part of the store here at Arucheva, has uh, has certainly done its part. Uh, we've tried to do our part. I want to increase our efforts for them, and I want to increase our efforts for them because uh, we would like to stay with the projects that we're involved with that are succeeding. Uh, we're not gambling people. It's not our money. The money that we provide and we help communities with is money, uh, and we want to justify uh, our role uh, as a, uh, as it were, as a uh, uh, as one that... Uh, 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 connects uh, those that want to uh, help and those that we feel that can do the job on the ground. Our community um, has watched the State of Israel uh, long before the State of Israel was even born, has looked for the return of the Jews to the land according to the scriptures, the prophets as we have mentioned, and um, have supported the, uh, the people of God as they have gone back over the years, the different Aliyah uh, financially supported them. Um, I can say for my own family was involved in the um, the uh, kinder transports of the Second World War, where many of the uh, well, a number of youngsters from Europe were were rescued out of Europe, and were involved as the State of Israel sort of came into being with the purchase of trees and. Um, Years ago, uh, there was a great need, I think, especially when the Russian um, Jews came into um, Israel um, of much clothing and stuff, because they came, of course, in such a huge numbers. 
And um, our community has supported this effort over the years with the shipment of clothes or the buying of trees and trees and all those kinds of things. So how would somebody connect with you if they wanted to help out at all? They can email me directly at uh, my email address, uh, address here at Uruchava, Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, Jonathan, at Arutzsheva, I will spell that A-R-U-T-Z-S-H-E-V-A, that's one word, Arutzsheva, S-H-E-V-A. So that's Jonathan at Arutzsheva dot O-R-G, O-R-G organization. Just need O-R-G. Very good. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us the story of Itamar. And uh, certainly as we consider the, uh, the role that God plays in all of our lives and in establishing us in our homes and our families, wherever we may be, we certainly think of the blessing of the uh, 127th Psalm, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And so we certainly pray that God will bless your efforts and the efforts of uh, all those who are returning to the land to fulfill those prophecies. And we look forward to that time when Mashiach will come and redeem Israel and the entire world. Uh, thank you for your opportunity to, uh, uh, to, give, uh, to give a hearing to the community. And uh, God willing, we should continue to do, uh, to do good things together. Uh, you know, I always say to our non-Jewish uh, friends, uh, you know, we, the, the, did you ever meet uh, two Jews who agreed on everything? And the answer, of course, is no. You know, the, the well-known Jewish joke, if you have two Jews, you have three synagogues. So if you, to find two Jews to agree is difficult enough. To find Jews and non-Jews to agree on everything, it's almost impossible. You know, we have, of course, as you know, our theological differences, and by and large, they can be quite significant and quite substantial. However, I'm of the belief that we have so much in common that they far, far and away override uh, these, uh, these uh, differences. Agreeing to dis disagree on certain things doesn't mean to say that you have to blow up somebody's bus or you have to, you have to shoot somebody. You build on what you have in common. And, and that's something that we've always been uh, appreciative of, of, uh, of, of uh, people of the non-Jewish faith who come through for us time and again. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Jonathan. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom to you, Jonathan. And thank you all for joining us on the Bible in the News.